Hello, pod people. I'm DA, still alive, and thank God, still reporting from quarantine. And welcome to Millennial Edition. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we discuss our nation's cultural phenomenon with those in society, despite having all the evidence and information at their fingertips, still choosing to be idiots. As always, remember to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter to be a part of the discussion. Okay, so let's dive right in. So it has clearly become apparent that the world is devolving into chaos. A noticeably tragic first couple of months has now moved on to a darker, more disturbing next couple of months, all equipped with the normal American tragedies, including police brutality murders, social unrest, and the never-ending plague of gun violence. And of course, our coronavirus plague continues its mass destruction. So as I'm certain that many of you are feeling the emotional stress of the times, I do hope that somehow in these dark times, you are able to get any and all of the love, care, and the support that you need. It won't be like this forever, but I don't think these dark days are ending anytime soon. So with that said, among a plethora of things that I am learning from this period in history, one thing is for sure. The levels of idiocy in a percentage of the population of America is destroying our democracy and will get us all killed. And since we just celebrated the 4th of July, which was a deeply reflective space for me and I am sure for all of you, let's discuss this one freedom together, the privilege of our own idiocy. As always, I like to define terms so that we are all on the same page. Idiocy is defined as extremely stupid behavior or utterly senseless and foolish behavior, or as one definition that I saw, which is my favorite, the state of being an idiot. And for the last four months alone, our idiocy has been on full display, but it certainly didn't start there. And because I am not making this conversation a 10 part series, though I could, let's start where I saw firsthand an elevation of idiocy. And that was in 2016 when people actually came out and voted for Donald Trump. I remember talking to a neighbor in my apartment complex the day after the election, and he was attempting to explain to me that he didn't vote for Trump because he's okay with his racism. He only voted for Trump because he is a, in quote, businessman and he voted his wallet, end quote. How many times have you heard it? Now, most of us are smart enough to know that when someone is talking about supporting Donald Trump and they say, I'm not a racist, they usually are. Imagine the argument being made for someone who claims to support Hitler, but simply rejects Nazism. Yeah, let that hang there for a minute, and we can come back to that a little later if you want. But it's the second part that always gets me. You voted for Trump because he is a good businessman? Says who? Certainly not the transcripts to his tax returns. The New Yorker magazine reported that from 1985 to 1994, Trump racked up $1 billion in losses. This is public knowledge. By 1994, Trump had essentially already lost $1 billion. Between 1991 to 2009, Trump had declared bankruptcy not once, not twice, but six times for several hotels and casinos. Again, all of this was public knowledge. We all had information that Trump lost a billion dollars and declared bankruptcy six times. So did my neighbors simply not know this information? 
Well, of course not. He knew. He knew and chose to vote for him anyways. So what makes a person do something reckless, like vote for a man who has racked up a billion dollar in losses and declared bankruptcy six times with the hopes he can run the most powerful economy in the world and make my neighbor rich? My answer? Pure idiocy. There is nothing more stupid in believing that a man who continually racks up losses and bankruptcies will somehow know how to enrich the most powerful country in the world. Now, I promised we would get back to the racial analysis, and so my theory has always been that Trump's whole brand is white nationalism and supremacy, and subtly, not so subtly, he campaigned on the racist ideology of essentially restoring the white man and family to its rightful supreme place while ensuring that other, more vulnerable and frankly, browner communities stay in theirs. A lot of white people may not want to admit this out loud, but they like that idea. They like the idea of their supremacy because there is a benefit to them. What do you think it means when they reminisce about things being better in the olden days? Who were those days good for? Not the enslaved. Not black people who couldn't sit at certain lunch counters. Not the LGBTQ plus community who couldn't be with the person they loved. It was good for one kind of community. Which brings us to 2016. Those who voted for him bought into his ideology, but in order to feel like they were still good people, they came up with an alternative narrative. I look past the racism because I voted with my pockets. Extremely idiotic logic, any way you slice it. Racism is an idiotic ideology. Skin color does not determine supremacy. This is easily debunked. Supremacy is a construct. But going back to my neighbor, what do you do when new information is presented and the facts are laid out before you? Welp, even with the amount of information at his fingertips, my neighbor chose his idiotic decision. And what privilege that is. Because you see, he knows, like we all know, that the likelihood of the consequences of that vote destroying his life are slim to none. Whether he acts like an idiot or not, it's the vulnerable that will feel the pain, not him. So let's think about that for a second. As Americans, we have the freedom to access a variety of information, right or wrong, we have the privilege of knowledge. In countries like North Korea or China, or any dictatorship for that fact, information is restricted and fully controlled. So we can understand in those countries, maybe even sympathize, why a community of people might believe certain things or formulate a specific ideology from the restricted information they are given. But as Americans, we have the privilege and access to information and diverse opinion. So it is incredibly difficult for me that many like my neighbor are content with being so selfish in choosing idiocy because that idiocy is destroying our civil society as we know it. Twitter is a cesspool of, well, everything. And everyone has an opinion about something and are quick to let everyone know in their 240 character space. And there are a lot of accounts that share accurate and helpful information to inform the public, which is incredible. The only problem is that it is all housed in the same platform with accounts that are purposefully there to provide misinformation. So sometimes it gets really difficult to decipher the truth but I bring up Twitter because as many of you already know, we engage our listeners on our Twitter platform. And if you haven't followed us yet, just go over to Twitter and follow Millennial Edition at, at MillennialEdit1 and you can engage with us there. 
But I am reminded of a conversation I was having with an account about the beating of the 14-year-old black child, Elijah Tufono, by a white police officer. And for all those who aren't familiar with the incident, this happened back in April before the George Floyd murder in Rancho Cordova, California. And the child Elijah, who looks from the video that surfaced about 100 pounds soaking wet, and that is me being generous. He is very thin. But the white officer stopped him because the child bought a loose, like a loose cigar on the street. And the next thing you see on the video that I believe was shot by his sister was the white officer on top of this little kid pinning him to the pavement and then horrifically punching the child several times. It is horrific to watch and sent shockwaves through social media. So I commented on how horrific the video was and another account responded with the usual excuses that it wasn't that bad because a child resisted arrest and kids have no respect for elders these days and law enforcement, and my favorite statement, which was the most troubling of them all, the officer only gave the child, end quote, a couple of controlled punches, end quote, so the child should be okay. Yeah, take all of that in. By the way, it was later reported that this child suffers from a heart condition, but I digress. So I responded by asking the account if they would be okay with that level of force if it was their child in that video. Throughout the back and forth, this account never answered this particular question. So then I asked what a controlled punch is and what laws in the United States allow for an adult to punch a child when they have done something wrong. Again, the account ignored the question and kept insisting that it was actually the child's fault because he resisted arrest. So when I pointed out that when white people resist arrest, they aren't brutalized or murdered by police. And I proceeded to send different clips as video evidence of white people violently interacting with police, including one where a white woman punches a cop square in the face and another almost mowing down an officer with her car. Neither one were violently arrested or shot and spent no more than probably like a night in jail. After seeing all of the video evidence, it was this account's response that forms the very basis of the topic of this discussion. The response, in quote, it doesn't matter how much evidence you show me, my mind is made up and you will never change it, end quote, and followed it up with a very prompt block. And this is what I wanna focus on in this episode. Now, I know this is Twitter, so I'm not surprised by accounts like these. They may be real, they may be fake agitators, but it's, but it's that mindset that is pervasive in our society as we know it. How many of you out there have heard someone say that and was bewildered by it? And speaking of that mindset, nothing shows more idiocy to me than those who are raging against wearing a mask during a deadly pandemic. Because I mean, it's a pandemic. And as of today, because of Trump's inaction and labeling the virus as, as a hoax, today in America, 3.2 million Americans are affected with the virus with 66,000 new infections in the last 24 hours. And tragically, 136,000 Americans have died. In just four months, Hundreds upon thousands of Americans are dead and millions are suffering, putting a huge strain not only on the economy, but on our healthcare system. Now we all know and just discussed earlier in the episode that Trump is a dangerous demagogue spreading his white nationalistic ideology and he prides himself on the privilege of that idiocy. So we don't have to go through it again. But never did I think that something more frightening than anti-vaxxers could emerge during a deadly pandemic. 
anti-maskers. The name alone is the definition of idiocy. But before we even go there, let me get some things off my chest about anti-vaxxers. And just in case there are listeners out there that have never heard about them, anti-vaxxers are people who oppose vaccinating themselves or their children and oppose government laws that mandate vaccines, even though an overwhelming amount of scientific evidence has shown that vaccines are safe and effective in preventing the spread of infectious diseases. Scientists who spent 20 to 30 years studying medicine and virology. Anti-vaxxers believe they know more than scientists, and they usually have a group leader who is usually a demagogue who can manipulate them and build a large platform spreading misinformation about vaccines. And in line with this discussion, anti-vaxxers have the privilege of choosing to ignore centuries of scientific discovery and brilliant medical minds and refuse vaccinations, which has had devastating consequences, including the resurgence of measles outbreaks all over this nation and other parts of the world. And why we call it a privileged choice, because adults and children suffering from cancer cannot choose to vaccinate themselves. They don't have the option to vaccinate because in order to get one and for it to work, you need to have a strong, healthy immune system and diseases like cancer weaken the immune system. They literally have no choice but to rely on those who are healthy to get vaccinated so that they can be protected. Like many of you know, this is known as herd immunity. Anti-vaxxers know how important vaccinations are to those who have weakened immune systems. They simply do not care and they continue to promote anti-vaxxer ideology based on pure idiocy. And in a time of pandemic, instead of reevaluating their ideology, they lean in to even more idiocy. Nothing gets me more than in a time of a deadly pandemic killing people by the hundred thousands, anti-vaxxers want the coronavirus to be over and solved, but they still claim that they will not take a vaccine. So let me get this straight. We can't fight this virus because we have no vaccine. But if the solution to ending the deadly pandemic is a vaccine, they will still cling to their idiocy rather than admitting that maybe they might have been wrong about the way they feel about vaccines. And since they refuse to adjust to this new info that might keep themselves and others alive, they will refuse to take the vaccine, which might cause a resurgence in the virus. Because remember, people with weakened immune systems do not have the option of vaccinating. And they rely on everyone else to do the right thing. I literally just can't believe the levels of idiocy and how selfish people can be to choose it. Okay, so that's my anti-vaxxer rant, but let's go back to anti-vaxxer's idiot cousin, anti-masker. And I can spend at least 10 episodes on the stupidity of the anti-masker movement. So the CDC and all of the brilliant scientific minds said that since we don't have a vaccine yet, the best possible way to controlling the spread of coronavirus is to stay home and self-quarantine and avoid crowds. And if you do have to go out, stay six feet apart from each other and wear a mask. And you would have thought they asked the public to chop off an arm because the response to this guidance, which statistics show have proven to work, have been nothing short of idiocy. Armed white nationalist groups with AR-15s have come out without masks in droves to protest the mandatory lockdowns. Because nothing makes more sense than fighting a deadly virus by gathering in large crowds without masks and with military weapons. Oh, and what is the result of that idiocy? Well, surges of coronavirus in the areas where these protests were held. 
the leader of the North Carolina Facebook group Reopen NC tested positive for coronavirus after experiencing a severe cough and having difficulty breathing. And who can forget the pastors, who most of them, being fully equipped with the ability to hold services online, decided to defy the stay-at-home orders because taking these health measures was not seen by them as an act of wisdom, but instead of defiance against God and religion. Yeah, you heard that right. And somehow, I can envision even God shaking his damn head at the idiocy. I cannot be more embarrassed at the levels of idiocy in this distorted narrative. Bishop Gerald Glenn of New Deliverance Evangelistic Church held services on March 22nd in defiance of a shutdown order declaring that he firmly believes, in quote, God is larger than this dreaded virus. You can quote me on that. People are healed. And he vowed to keep his church open, in quote, unless I'm in jail or the hospital, end quote. As a result of him choosing idiocy, only weeks after that service, he died of coronavirus. In addition, his wife, two daughters, and son-in-law are now infected with the virus. And then there was Pastor Landon Spradlin, an evangelist who preached in both New Orleans and North Carolina, posted that coronavirus was only merely hysteria as a politically motivated ploy to harm Trump. He also shared on his social media misinformation about coronavirus, stating that it was comparable to swine flu. Only weeks later, he exhibited symptoms including difficulty breathing and collapsed at his North Carolina home. He was rushed to the ICU where they confirmed he had coronavirus. He died eight days later. The churches that ultimately defied the orders to close in-person services have accounted for thousands of coronavirus cases. One church, the Palermo Bible Family Church, whose pastor, Mike Jacobson, defied the order to close, later discovered that one parishioner tested positive for coronavirus after that service, exposing 180 other parishioners to the virus. Now Christians, and people of all faiths, just hear me out. Okay, God is certainly bigger than coronavirus. I truly believe that. But yes, Christians can die of coronavirus. Christians have died under many different circumstances. God doesn't immune you to the consequences of this world, even if you do the right thing. He gives you the wisdom to navigate it and the strength to stand up under it. Both of these things are true. God created the scientists and their beautiful minds to protect us. Don't be an idiot and listen to them. And just as a reminder, the deaths of those pastors and the infection surge in the anti-maskers, it's public knowledge, information that anyone can access at the click of a button. And you would think that even after knowing all of this, including knowledge of powerful world leaders contracting the virus, you would think that people would yield to this new knowledge and act accordingly, right? Wrong. Even after all of these deaths and infections are known, even after the surges of coronavirus spreading from reopening establishments too soon against health official guidelines, there are still idiots to this day packing out bars and clubs and popular lake spots because no one, not even a deadly pandemic, will tread on our rights to have a good time. The worst are people throwing coronavirus parties, which at the highlight of idiocy is a party that you purposefully throw with a group of people to see if coronavirus is real and if anyone will get it. A 30-year-old who attended one in San Antonio, Texas said, end quote, I think I made a mistake. I thought this was a hoax, but it's not, end quote, as his final words before he died from coronavirus. 
And I do feel sad for his loved ones that he leaves behind because that is a really tough, hard lesson to learn because now there is nothing he can do to undo his choice to go to that party. The consequence is permanent. It is really sad that it takes death's door for people to admit, and and this is an indictment on all of us, including myself, to admit we were wrong about something. Well, psychologists have been studying this phenomenon for some time now. This idea of seeking out information when it can only confirm what we already firmly believe. Psychologists call this cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance is defined in the New York Times as the stress we experience when we hold two contradictory beliefs, opinions, or attitudes. So we tend to deny new information that doesn't confirm our already held beliefs and either dismiss the other person as being wrong, even when overwhelming evidence shows we are wrong, like the Twitter account discussing the police beating of the child Elijah Tufono. But there is another factor at play, and we can see that among the anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers because they are deliberately telling us to ignore the healthcare professionals, which now they have moved to threatening their lives and demonizing them, and only listen to them. And this phenomenon is known as the Dunning-Kruger effect. This phenomenon introduced by social psychologists David Dunning and Justin Kruger is, simply put, when an idiot thinks they are much smarter than they are. Essentially, it is the inability for someone to recognize their own lack of ability or intellect or experience on a given concept or topic, or as the social psychologist put it, end quote, a miscalibration of incompetence, end quote, which they believe comes from an inability of a person to objectively evaluate their own selves. And this phenomenon is permeating through our American culture. People who have never stepped foot in a medical class or even Googled the word medical believe that they are more informed than Dr. Fauci, who has made it his life's work serving the last 30 years as a physician and immunologist as the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. So you want me to listen to an anti-masker who has very little education and none comparable to Dr. Fauci, who claims that wearing a mask can kill you, but seems to never be able to name one damn person who has actually died from wearing that mask, who can't seem to answer why no one raised any issues with the countless professions that were forced to wear masks in our society for their day jobs, including construction workers, healthcare professionals, and chemists, well before our nation experienced a pandemic. Honestly, how many of them drop dead on their jobs because they put on a mask? You want me to listen to that person instead of the immunologist? God help us. Because the level of idiocy is astounding. And no, you can't dismiss your idiocy, as one person tried to do this online, by saying you are merely just open-minded or a free thinker who questions everything because you don't want to be sheep. Just stop lying to yourself. You're a stubborn idiot who has the privilege of wallowing in delusions about yourself rather than walking in the truth that will set you free and keep you and all of us alive. If you are from a vulnerable community, like the black and brown community, information is our survival. We have no choice but to inform ourselves daily on everything from who's running for elected office, who's suppressing votes, what police departments to watch out for, what viruses are spreading, where's the nearest facility to receive healthcare, and will I be able to pay for the treatment if I get sick? What towns or neighborhoods should I avoid because it's riddled with dangerous factions? Our information is our survival 
survival. And we are forced to choose truth if we want to stay alive. We don't have the privilege or luxury to choose otherwise, or at least not without consequences. This might be hard to admit, but if this is you or someone close to you that you know of, stop it now. You don't have to choose idiocy. Others did, and they are either bearing some harsh consequences or they are dead. Surely your own sense of rightness is not worth yours or anyone else's life. Death is permanent, so choose truth. There is still time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Millennial Edition. Stay safe, practice social distancing, wear a mask in public, listen to the scientists. And I look forward to engaging with you all again soon.